everyone. Hi! This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Mm-hmm. And I'm Sabrina. And I just burnt my tongue on my hot coffee. You did. I did. Whoopsie. I was about to say coffee at 3 p.m., but you're on the West Coast. I am. And I slept in because I've been working my ass off. So I've been... So this weekend, which is Memorial Day weekend when we're recording... I slept in. Amazing. And your job, which we've talked about before, sounds freaking amazing. I've That's been my like <laughs> main topic of conversation with all of my friends that I'm seeing because I'm back home in Vermont this weekend. And I've been telling everyone about your job. <laughs> it's, it's unreal. I can't believe I get to sit around and talk about murder and weird murder cases and the psychology of different characters all day. Oh, what a dream. It is, but I've been working late hours, long hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're recording standing up right now. You're holding your coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing some stretching. Some sort of hip stretching. (laughs) Yeah. You're multitasking. It's like the day that I I painted my nails while we were podcasting. Exactly. I feel like also just because my job is sitting all day, and sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel overbearing if I stand up or like, and I'm like on top of people, you know, not literally, but just. So now it's nice on the weekends to just stretch a ton. I know, to just get up and do something. I really feel like an old lady nowadays. Like, I have constant back pain, I have constant bone aches. You do yoga though, right? Yeah, but I don't know what's going on with me. I feel like yoga cures everything for me. So if you already do yoga, I have no solutions to offer. I have no advice. I need need a masseuse to come to my house every single day. Yeah. That would be the dream. I think that's... you should. You should get... I mean, I know massage envy isn't (laughs) maybe the highest of quality massages that some people expect, but if you find a really good masseuse, you can get one of those massage envy passes and i'm pretty sure you pay like a pretty cheap amount and you go like once a month like 70 dollars a month you just gotta find your person at the massage envy that you like that's true i think i'll i'll have made it if i can get a massage every week i will have made it when i can afford the 1.4 million dollar (laughs) four-bedroom home in rye new hampshire that's currently on the market it's been on the market for two years so i've got a few questions about it but i love it and i want it (laughs) Nick and I, well, a bunch of us yesterday went to this new museum in LA. It's kind of cool. It's just interesting how now museums, I feel like they always have the exhibit that's Instagram worthy. Mm -hmm. And like, there was a line for one of them. And I was like, oh, barf. But after the museum exhibit, we went to a open house down the road with Lauren and Matt. And just the four of us were like, should we go in on this together? Keep in mind, this was a $3.5 million house. So there's no way in... (laughs) any world we could afford this but we're like it was beautiful like stunning and wait where uh, was it it's in mid-city it was right down the street from the museum so it was like right where we parked you're gonna have to tell me the address so that i can stock it online (laughs) yeah it's gorgeous and i was like if i were obviously not able to but if i were to buy that house i would need all of the furniture that was in it already because it's so well designed oh yes oh yes they know what they're doing Oh, man. I actually Googled today. I said, how much money do you need to make a year to afford a $1.4 million home? And? It wasn't what I wanted to hear. What is it? A lot more than I have. Can you tell me how much so I know? Well, basically, a mortgage in for Rye, New Hampshire, where the property taxes are lower than, you know, Vermont or California, mm-hmm. you'd need to be able to pay an $8,000 payment for like taxes and your mortgage and homeowners association, et cetera, a month. And then on top of that, you'd need to pay <laughs> a down payment of about, a, well, 20%. So basically a quarter of a million dollars, then plus 8000 a month. We're screwed. Oh, oh, renter boy. forever. Yeah, same. Anyway, numbers are tough. The only time I'm good at math is when I'm trying to figure out how much home I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cut the crap. You have ghost stories. I need to hear them. Oh, yeah. I texted Sabrina yesterday and I said, I've got some ghost stories for you. Well, because I'm home in Vermont. And as we know, my home in Vermont is spiritually active. And Sometimes I come home and nothing happens. And sometimes I come home and there are some things. Some stories that my parents maybe have collected or that I experienced while I'm out. And yesterday, I was going up to South Hero, Vermont to stay at my friend – or not stay at his – to visit my friend Nate 
at his family's house and he lives on the lake. So it was a beautiful day. We were going to use the pool. So my mom's like, oh, let me pack you some sunscreen. So she goes into the garage to look for sunscreen and she's like rummaging through the little sunscreen thing and a screw comes from the toolbox area flying at her and misses her by like an inch like a That's big terrifying screw so it's not like it rolled off the box and just like fell it was like projectile thrown at her and just what? missed her and she was like whoa and she walks in and i was in the kitchen and she goes so um something just threw a screw at me in the garage that's so violent like, yeah, so I walked into the garage and I said, you need to be nice. And mom <laughs> goes, yeah, be nice to me or you need to move out. And so we're I like reprimanding it. this ghost. And then I leave to go up to Nate's and then my dad comes home and my mom told my dad what happened and showed where she was standing and where the screw came from and the whole thing. And he goes, oh, I really didn't want to scare you. So I wasn't going to tell you. But a few days ago, he was upstairs in their bedroom and he put his cell phone down on the bureau Mm -hmm. and was just like going around doing some things. And he went to go back and get his cell phone and his cell phone had been moved and was sitting down like on the floor in the middle of the room. What? And he didn't like hear it move. And it wasn't in a spot where it could have just fallen. It was like placed this is, oh, this is why I want cameras in my house all the time, just so I can like look and see. Yeah. And every time there's a noise now in, in my house, I turn to my mom and I'm like, the ghosts are being so loud. <laughs> oh. Well, it's weird because I feel like you haven't ever told me stories that were like kind of violent ghosts in your house. And well, the phone the phone is not, but the screw being thrown at your mother is pretty intense. Yes. The phone is nothing new. We often have had our phones go missing and we like look at the same spot four times and only on the fifth time does it reappear where we knew we left it. Mm -hmm. That's nothing new. But the screw thing is new. So my mom and I just walked right before recording. We walked to the health, healthcare store, health, Mm -hmm. um, like one of those healthy apothecary. Yes. Uh, And we, we grabbed some, some stuff to smoke smoke out the negativity and hopefully our talking to it's like hey you know you can be around but if you throw screws absolutely not you gotta move yeah you need to behave Mm -hmm. this isn't a free-for-all this is a house for a family and it's family friendly and it's not this is a pg home not an r-rated scary movie home right and i left the lights on in the hallway and in the bathroom last night my mom yelled to me and she goes are you (laughs) done out here can we turn and i said don't turn the lights off (laughs) And so today when I woke up and went downstairs, she said, we need to go get some stuff because you can't be scared to sleep in this house. And I said, I'm not scared. I'm just being smart because if dad has been targeted and you have been targeted, I am the next target. But you're leaving today, right? Or tomorrow morning? No, I'm working from home tomorrow and then I leave Wednesday morning. I'm just (gasps) going to wake up at the crack of dawn and just send it to Boston. Well, good luck. Please keep me updated. Thanks. I, need I to have know. Mr. Piggy, so he Aww. protects me. Are you? Do you keep Mr. Piggy at home in Vermont, or do you bring him? I with keep you? him here because I believe, I truly believe that he keeps the spirits out of my room when I'm gone, so I come home oh. to a ghost-free environment. I like that. That's cute. Yeah, I fend oh. for myself down in Boston. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, uh, I think the ghosts in Boston have taken you over. Oh yeah, I for- I already forgot about that. I already blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> You're giggling in the middle of the night. So creepy. Yeah. It wouldn't have been as creepy if it weren't for the time stamp of my giggling. Uh, it still would have been creepy at any point. It's hour and I start laughing. Oh, I think oh, it would have oh. been creepy at any time of the night. Um, I have no ghost stories. I did have to have a conversation. I'm pretty sure my coworkers don't believe in ghosts, so... It's interesting. It's hard. I think like I was like, oh, I have lots of podcast stuff to do this weekend. And one of my one of my bosses was like, so uh, you believe in ghosts then? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And I told him my what I said in episode four about my reoccurring nightmares and then like my dad having the real experience. And he was like, that happened, that one. You know, sometimes it's just hard for people to believe until they truly experience something themselves. That's true. But I did have two other coworkers of mine open up to me about their experiences. So I'm not totally alone. It's just always hard entering a new social setting and having to present yourself in a way that like, you know, you need to be, you need to fit in. You can't like be too weird. 
And, uh, but I think I'm finding my group. That's good. That's good. Aww. Well, I mean, our room is only, we're like 13 people, so I'll be friends with everyone, but. Yeah. I feel like I heard a bunch of ghost stories in the past week and I already forgot all of them and who told me then. Well, it's a good thing that we have a ghost podcast so we get to research ghost stories and we'll tell everyone those ghost stories. Okay. So this week's episode was chosen by one of our Patreon donors, Tall, and she said, hey, I was thinking you guys should either do Haunted Disney Parks or something of Haunted Jerusalem. And since we both typically research, we chose to do Haunted Jerusalem, and I will be covering Disney in a few episodes later from now. I feel like this episode's a lot of history, which is kind of cool and I'm sure everyone knows like Israel is, you know, it's one of the most prominent places in many religions. And it's also a place of a lot of conflict. Uh, Yeah, I will say it was kind of difficult searching things because I'd search certain terms together. And there was just a lot about the different conflict and terrorism that was happening over there. And I was like, oh, this is sad. And it's also not ghost stories that I'm finding. (laughs) I'm just hearing about these horrible deaths and... Right. But we'll try to lift the spirits. We'll try. Lift them high to the sky, to the Lord. Is that what you say in church? Something like that. You're asking someone who has not been to church since... Oh, lift your spirits up to the Lord. Yeah. I will say, I try to pronounce things correctly, but when it comes to different religions and different countries, and especially this specific topic, I feel like every other word I say is something that I don't know how to say. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you. And so I'm going to try. It's hard. But if I get something wrong, I'm sorry. It's I've looked it up. It's just that I just didn't say it right right now. Well, that's the thing. I feel like when we do research for these episodes, we do we do a lot of research. We spend hours and hours doing the research. And then we, I know for me at least, like I will listen to the many words multiple times. Yes. And I'll like try to write out the enunciation, like the phonetics of it on my research. But then like I get caught up in telling the story and then sometimes I like overlook it. Mm-hmm. Or even then like my mind goes haywire and then I forget how it was right. said. And sometimes on those pronunciation websites, it will have all these different ways of saying this one word. And I'm like, well, which way is mm-hmm. the correct way? And there goes I all know. of my confidence. Uh, it's like the Celtic Celtic debacle of 2018 all over again. Uh, yeah. Or the, <laughs> uh, oh, instead of cholera, cholera. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure I've said Sue quite a few me. things wrong. Sue me. All right. Well, I am doing the cursed buildings of Agrippa Street. Ooh. Agrippa Street is cursed, and many of the buildings on this street end up failing or going bankrupt, and all because of this curse. <gasps> we love curses. We hate them, but we love them. Yes. Hate them, but love to hear about it. <laughs> I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. It's one of those things. <laughs> We love to hear about curses, but we hate to actually see it happen. We like to not see them happen. Yes. So this curse started about 50 years ago, and it was placed on the street by your lovely neighborhood rabbi. His name was Shalom Sharabi, and he was the head of a Kabbalist house of study, and he took his religion and his prayers very seriously. He was a great rabbi, and he was someone who would pray every day during the certain time that he was supposed to pray. He was very devout. And obviously he was a rabbi, so he, that was, you know, his life. Mm -hmm. But someone who did not take the prayers and religion seriously was a builder. And he bought the property at 111 or 111 Agrippa Street, also known as, and this is the name I'm going to butcher, but Eni House, Eni House. Okay. And this builder, Meyer Eni, or Mir Eni, however you want to say it. (laughs) <laughs> he wanted to build a very tall building that could be a multi-use building. So he was going to build it up and maybe use it to rent out his offices or whatever, just make a little pretty penny on his little investment property. And mm-hmm. so he decided to build this building all nice and tall. And as the building was being constructed, Rabbi Sharabi noticed that the building was rising to a height where it would block out the sun and this would inhibit Rabbi Sharabi from saying his morning prayers at the correct time of day. Oh. And so he asked him to stop building. I mean, could Rabbi Sharabi have worked out the issue and maybe move the location of his prayers? Perhaps he could. And maybe could uh, 
Mir Aini recognized the importance of religion to this area and to the street and to the neighborhood he was moving into and maybe decided to do two floors shorter, perhaps. But neither of the men got along in this little situation. The mm. rabbi was like, hey, you're interrupting my prayers. Do you think you could stop building? And the guy was like, yo, this is my money and this is my life. Take your prayer elsewhere. And so oh, sad. the builder kept on building and he made it just as tall as he had originally planned. But he did not find the success that he had so hoped for because the rabbi cursed the area. Wow. And all of the businesses were doomed and none of them stayed in the building for very long. And so the builder That's was wild. constantly looking for new tenants and, you know, made some apartments and the apartments didn't sell. The offices didn't rent. And anyone who wow. dared give it a shot, they just ended up being forced out because of money. They'd either go bankrupt or they'd be like, whoa, oh my God. this is not worth it. We need to leave. So Wow. I wonder if like the curse put – yeah, there's a curse that would cause businesses to fail. But I also wonder if it like sent spirits or some type of evil environment so that when people were even there, it was terrifying to work there. And they were like, can't do it. I'm out. Oh, yeah. Like bad – Yeah. Like spirits bad walking juju. around, some bad energy yeah. fooling with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But whatever happened, it just like was not good for the builder. Eni, I'm Eni. I'm afraid to say his name now because I know I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, the curse has never been lifted and still to this day, the curse has only extended itself away from that building and to other buildings on the street. And there oh, are two what? buildings that have suffered the same fate and there's more than that, but I'm just going to talk about two of them. But one of them is the Chicanyan Covered Market, and it sits at 88 Agrippa Street. And the other one is the Claw Center, also on Agrippa Street. So there's a bunch Whoa. cursed in Agrippa Street. And then there are also some that are just off of Agrippa Street. Like there was, oh man, I forget the name of it because I did not include it in the research. But of course, now I'm starting to talk about it. <laughs> but it was basically like some cursed house where this family had uh, set up a arranged marriage but their son had died the night before the wedding but they <gasps> wait i saw i saw this yes and they didn't want him to not get married because it was like so faux pas or whatever and so they ended up propping up his dead corpse and having him yeah. married off and then having the ceremony later to bury him yes but i saw that i wanted to do that for this episode but that's like the only story that there is about it. You can't really find yeah, there's hotels. No, yeah, there's nothing else really. But the house sits vacant and is said to be very haunted. But that's like right yeah. by Agrippa's. Whoa. It's so fascinating that a curse can spread. I mean, I don't know if the curse includes that, but there's just a – yeah. I mean, that house – I don't think the curse killed that guy. Right, Nor right. did it make his parents stand up his dead corpse to marry a living woman. Right. But I do like the idea that a curse can like – like an illness, it spreads mm -hmm. its tentacles in veins. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But the Claw Center, also known as the Claw Building, it's a 15-story building which houses a bunch of offices, restaurants, and other, you know, various shops that you'd find in like a big shopping complex. For example, well, I don't know if these businesses are actually there, but when I Google mapped it, I just like wrote down some of the stores that appeared on the maps but there's like an insurance agency and a sporting goods store and a karaoke bar and a post office so there's just like a huge variety of stores in this mall and the building mm -hmm. was built in 1972 and around the same time the curse was set in that area <sighs> and this place was supposed to be like a great successful spot it was the first upscale indoor shopping mall in jerusalem so so exciting but the building was a huge failure and also a bit dangerous because instead of becoming a site where families would just like go and spend a day shopping, maybe get out of the sun for a bit, enjoy some cooler air, maybe you're like, you know, I don't know, all the teens. I used to hang out at the mall when I was a teen. Yeah, I did too. That was especially growing up in a place that has all the seasons and gets so cold. Yeah. There was nothing really to do. Right. So we would meet at the mall and just like hang out or like go on a first date like you'd meet a boy at the food court <laughs> i never went on a first date until college oh well i went on like the middle school equivalent of a first date <laughs> where it's like literally you plus three of your friends and them plus three of their friends and then you go eat at taco bell <laughs> that was oh, the date. i love taco bell 
Taco Bell's my favorite. Leia is sitting in the corner of like the bed and she's meowing up at the corner of the ceiling, which concerns me. Yeah, you thought you didn't have a ghost story, but look at you now. Leia sees them all. She's, she sees whatever's watching you. Okay, well, anyway, this thing was supposed to be this awesome mall and everyone was very excited, but it just was a huge flop and it became unfortunately a popular spot for suicides as the upper story windows were not secure and it was high up and it was easy to you know whoa get up and go out of the windows and that breaks my heart yeah so actually the building now has a bunch of nets at the bottom like rescue nets so hopefully although when i looked at the nets online it it doesn't look like the nets have much give it kind of looks like someone would just bounce off so i don't know how great their nets are i'm gonna judge their nets a little bit if anything i hope it discourages people yes because it's like oh it won't i don't it's just sad. i know but i don't actually know if the nets are were actually for that because some some of the sites that i saw were like oh yeah they have all these security nets but then other sites were saying that the nets were placed there to protect the pedestrians on the street from the stones that are thrown from the building what? because rumor has it there are some angry spirits inside of the building that just chuck stones off of the building onto passerbyers where are they getting these stones? Is there Are there piles of stones just on certain floors? Well, I've, now the place is like somewhat – I mean, there are still businesses in there, but I think it's just kind of like broken down and not taken care of that well. So maybe, that yeah, there's freaky. probably some construction stuff from how much – how many places go in and out all the time. Whoa. Wow. Okay. That's scary. There's also I, – I remember in France there were all the – a lot of the buildings to protect the, the historic buildings. They have these nets that are basically – to bird proof the buildings to prevent birds from like pooping on mm. or sitting on the building. Well, this one isn't very historic. It was built in the 70s. That's true. Unless they're planning on, you know, 500 years from now when everyone's like, oh, it's historic. <laughs> but it's pretty damn new. I don't think as a planet Earth, I don't think we do much preserving anything. So No, and we don't think very far into the future now, do we? No, we do not. No, we do not. And this is really depressing and I don't know why I wrote this part down. Oh, oh, should I even say it? Yes, because now I need to know what it is. Uh, right outside of the claw center, there was a suicide bomber and it oh. injured a bunch of people and it killed 16 people. And inside the center, there was also another horrible death. There was a shooting and a man and his daughter were killed. Oh, so my God. Right in that one little hub, there's been some awful, awful, awful things. I just, yeah. Yeah. But the building just has really awful luck and there are often entire floors in this like massive multi-floor building that just go unoccupied by tenants. Although, you know, maybe it has to do with the curse. I also started thinking like, "Uh, well, there have been other malls that have opened and offices that have opened. But also at the same time, this street is super, super busy. And this was one of the first luxury like malls of its kind. So you would think that it would still be doing well. But anyway, the right. the foot traffic was not great there and companies were forced to leave before going out of business. And there were very few customers. People weren't really going in. And they were trying to do some stuff to bring to increase the foot traffic to the area, but nothing helps. And this area just seems... It just seems done. It's just like nothing will help it. All of these businesses are just maybe fallen to the curse or whatever caused it. There's just not enough people coming through and things aren't working out. And it's kind of interesting, though, because Agrippa Street is one of the oldest. It's said to be one of the oldest and busiest byways in Jerusalem. So it's very interesting that although it's Hmm. supposed to be like this old attraction and have a ton of people coming through, I guess people don't stop and go in these few stores. Interesting. Yes. I can't even begin, like I'm not going to pretend to understand it because I I don't. I'm trying to think of reasons why it failed and I can't. I don't know. Well, here's not an explanation for the street itself, but here's something that may have contributed to the Claw Center, the Claw Building. Mm -hmm. Uh, This building was the site of a supposed murder beyond what I have already told you, where those people were unfortunately targeted and murdered. This one, the story goes that there were some local mafia who killed two other mafia members, possibly for crossing them. And buried Mm. them inside of the building in the foundation as it was being built. And so now people are saying that the Claw Center is home to these two mafia ghosts who roam the property. (laughs) And so I'm like, are these the guys that are throwing stones from the roof? I mean, maybe. 
I don't know. That would kind of make sense because if they were buried in the concrete and in the foundation, they could use these stones or maybe it's like a, oh, you screwed us over and covered us with stone. Now we're going to kill you with stone. It's so fascinating. This is just a question for the ghosts out there. If you have the ability, these mafia ghosts specifically, if you have the ability to throw stones, why don't you take your bones and throw those so that people know your bones are there? That's a great question. I don't think a lot of people think things through, ghosts included. I know, but I'm just imagining someone standing on the street and a bone hits them. That. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my God. If that ever happened in my house, if the paranormal activity ever got to the point where ghosts were throwing their dead bodies at me, nope. Yeah. They're kicked out. I'd be freaked. But I guess it's different if, yeah, if they were, if they were trying to get their bodies to be found. But anyway, the call center and other buildings on Agrippa Street are said to be cursed and they all fail. But the people of Jerusalem, even though there's this supposed curse and there are all these hauntings all over the city, people of Jerusalem are very in tune with religion and very in tune with Mm -hmm. their spirituality. And they work very hard to protect themselves from curses and evils. So it's interesting that there's so much going on. And there are a ton of shops and specialists all around the city who read palms. They work as healers. They tell fortunes. They practice rituals and spells for protection. And I read that they paint their doors and windows blue because – and I think that this is like the best reason ever to choose the color blue. (laughs) They believe that Satan is trying to dig his way out of hell to find Earth. And if he were to ever reach Earth and if he looked around and saw all the blue doors and buildings, he would be like, wow, this is so beautiful. I must be in heaven. (laughs) And he'd turn around and just try to find Earth again, having left Earth, Earth not realizing. I want to know who came up with that idea. Yes. Blue is their lucky color. And how it spread. That's so interesting. I think it's so cool. But then also they said that all of the stores like all around Jerusalem offer a ton of solutions to your health problems. They sell trinkets mm-hmm. and potions and horseshoes and hamset and other like open hand shaped amulets. They sell garlic, talismans, blessings, just wow. like everything you can think of that's a mix of spirituality and all of their religions just to try to ward off all the bad luck, the evil, the curses, the bad juju. Interesting. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what kind of curse that the rabbi placed on the area because I'm going to do a curse when I talk about my thing. It's all, it's a curse. We both just, cur- it may as well just be a curses episode. It might be, but yeah, I, it's, it's fascinating. I'm just curious, like, see, this is the thing about curses. I want to know what they are and how they work and like what is said and how they practice them. It's kind of like those, those, paranormal games like the midnight game the hide and seek and then the elevator game all those things like i'm curious how they're played or how they're done just so that i can know Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna do them but i want to know more about we're not gonna do them right i just i'm so fascinated by them oh you know what i just watched recently i think it was a skittles commercial Ugh, i can't remember it was some some commercial and it was like a halloween time And they basically did – it had nothing to do with the candy that they were selling, but it was around Halloween. And they did – it's basically the elevator game in a commercial form. What? Really? It's And it's so creepy. It's – I think it's the actress who's in Black Mirror and she goes up in the elevator and the elevator starts like fritzing and she ends up like on a random floor and she opens the elevator doors and there's this man standing there and he's facing away from her and he's like, I need your help. And she's like, hello? And he's like, I need your help. And so she starts walking towards him and he's like, I need your help. And he starts walking forward. She like takes a step when he takes a step and he goes, turn around. I need you to turn around. And when she turns around, the guy is able to run to the elevator before she can. And then now she's stuck on that floor. And until someone else comes up on the elevator, she like she can't get out. This is a candy commercial. I know. Isn't that crazy? It has nothing to do with the candy. It's Who just creepy. Who is in charge of their marketing team? They're trying to... Curse all of us. <laughs> My God. It was actually, it was kind of freaky and I liked it. That's so creepy. I'm totally going to Google it. Yeah, you should. Speaking of freaky, I, f- I did watch Dead to Me. I binged it with my parents yesterday. <gasps> yes. I'm so glad. How did you, what did you think? Oh my God. We all loved it so it's much. So good. It was so, so good. So good, but it's hard. You can't really say much about it or else you spoil it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it and we can make a Facebook thread to talk about it. Yeah. I also just watched What If on Netflix. It's a whole series with, Guess who? None other than Renee Zell- Zellweger. Is that how you say Zellweger, her name? Zellweger, yeah. 
And I was like so shocked by it because I know her from Bridget Jones' diary, whatever. Right. And she played this like badass, terrifying woman in this show. It's got a little bit of a revenge vibe. Okay. Well, I have two more recommendations, but they're it's it's like they were recommended to me this weekend, so I actually can't recommend them personally, <laughs> but I can re- recommend them based okay. on the people that I love and trust around me. Okay, what are they? Chernobyl. Yes, I need to watch that. I'm so excited. Okay, that it's one on was HBO. recommended to me as a TV show. And then a book that was recommended to me is Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, so I don't know it. Those down. I'll get back to everyone. <laughs> okay. Will you text me the book so I know? Yes. Okay. So you talked about a curse. In general, and I'm going to talk about one specifically called Pulsa de Nura and how it relates to the assassination of Rabin, who is a political figure. He was the prime minister of Israel, and he was assassinated by this curse. By a curse? Yes, or believed to be assassinated because of this curse. Okay, so in episode 91, I talked about dark magic, where we both did, and when I talked about OB, I also mentioned Kabbalah, which was OB used some practices from Kabbalah and incorporated them into OB. But so this is Pulsa de Nura, which is a Kabbalistic ceremony. So in order to understand Pulsa de Nura, we must first understand the Kabbalah. And it's an ancient wisdom that empowers one to improve their lives, discover purpose, and achieve the lasting fulfillment we are meant to receive. It's an esoteric method and school of thought of Judaism. And essentially the idea is to open yourself up in order to raise consciousness to the point where perception is completely changed and the divine within all creation is revealed. Okay. So basically it's learning the secrets of the universe. Yes. Kind of similar to reaching nirvana because that's like the highest of the high and it's basically all knowing and knowledge. And that's like the point of Buddhism is like in your many lives you improve and you get each life you have, life you have, you get closer and closer. Until you no longer need reincarnation because you're perfect. Exactly. You're all knowing. You're all knowing. So Kabbalah combines the spiritual worlds, meditation and the magical and it's the practice used with the magical Kabbalah texts, but it can be very dangerous. And it traditionally wasn't taught to people until they reached the age of 40 because they were like, you need to understand what this religion is and what Judaism is before you can even contemplate or have the ability to practice the magical aspects of it because it's dangerous and can be used improperly. Like we talk about with dark magic and curses all the time, like magic has these positive ways to use it, but they also have the negative ways to use it. So basically they're like, let's keep it away from people who don't have the full knowledge and also like could use it incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And it involves rituals for gaining and exercising power to affect change in the world and the celestial worlds beyond ours. And it's generated by performing commandment, summoning and controlling angelic and demonic forces and otherwise tapping into the supernatural energies present in our earth. And it also furthers God's intention in the world, advancing good, subduing evil, healing and mending. The true master of this art fulfills the human potential to be a co-creator with God. So like by just saying you can be a co-creator with God, I feel like empowers people in a in a weird way. Like that could be interpreted as like, I can be God, right? So that can be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. right? So it can be referred to, or it has been referred to as the darker side of Judaism and has been called evil or dark. But it's also, there are people who are like, this has been misinterpreted. It's not a dark magic at all. Like Kabbalah is a beautiful religion that's part of Judaism. But like I said, like there are some people who just take it to the extreme and use it for bad. Yeah. I mean, okay. Everything can be taken that way. As with anything, the people practicing can manipulate certain things incorrectly. And then they justify it by saying like, oh, but I was doing it because of my religion, which doesn't justify it. Right. So the ceremony called Pulsa de Nura is quite complex. Pulsa de Nora translates to the lashes of fire, and it's a Kabbalistic ceremony in which the destroying angels are called upon. And they're basically described as like the angel of death, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. An entity sent out by Yahweh to kill the enemies of Israel. So in, in general practice, these destroying angels are invoked to block heavenly forgiveness of the subject's sins and causing all of the curses named in the Bible to befall on the subject, thus resulting in their death, which is a really intense curse. Yeah. All of the curses 
in the Bible then tossed onto the person that the curse was put onto. That's crazy. Could you imagine? No. That sounds like a horrible death. And so Pulsa Denura does go against the teachings of the Torah, and it's a more modern ritual that is kept in the Book of Secrets and other magic manuals of antiquity. It is mentioned once in the Zohar, which is one of the classic works of Kabbalah, and it's described as a heavenly punishment against a person who does not fulfill their religious obligations. So basically, you can put this curse on someone who's not following the religion correctly, but it's also one, it makes me wonder because if you're putting a curse on someone, doesn't that mean you're not following the religion correctly? Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of like, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think it started as like a warning to people like, hey, practice this correctly so this doesn't befall you. But then it became a curse that people decided to invoke on others. Right. And it has been used in quite a few instances. And some have just gone under the radar because you don't know, like you can't discern whether someone died because of a curse or just they just died natural causes. But there are a few that have been pretty publicized and, and directed towards politicians. It's actually, there's a saying in Israel that goes, it says, you have not made it into Israeli politics until you've been cursed by the Posa de Nura. So basically anyone who tries to be a politician is threatened with or cursed by Posa de Nura. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go into politics for so many reasons, but yeah. man, just the amount of people that are angry at you no matter what you say all the time. Yeah. People are getting yeah, cursed and, out here. And that's politics, right? Because like they're going to always be opposing ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all no opinion will be the perfect opinion. And so there are many reports in the media of the curse being used against archaeologists and authors. And like I, we said in the beginning of this episode, Israel has a very complex history and is home to all these different archaeological and religious sites. And it's considered sacred by many religious people. There are all these controversies over the land and historical claims. And so there's this one archaeologist who found this like this site and was like, this is the place that we've been looking for, yada, yada, and then he died. And so everyone was like pointing the finger at the curse, Pulsa Denura, because they were like, whoever put the curse on the archaeologist didn't want what the archaeologist was saying to be true. And yeah, they're kind of, all these accusations are nearly impossible to prove. And the media does try to look to prove them, and they like look at all the people who spoke outwardly against the person who was who died, and then they they basically claim that they're the person who put the curse on them. But I also feel like the people who are putting the curses probably stay pretty close under the radar and just do it in secrecy. Mm, I bet there have been many false accusations over the last fifty years, but this is the one that everyone kind of seems to agree was the curse of Pulsa Denura. On November 4th, 1995, Yitzhak Rabin, the prime minister of Israel, was assassinated. A man by the name of Egal Emir. So this man was waiting for Rabin to enter the parking lot, and then he shot Rabin twice. And Emir was instantly taken into police custody, and he told the police that he was satisfied and he was acting on the orders of God. So immediately the rumors of the Pulsa Dinara curse spread. Rabin was killed because someone performed the ceremony. And Rabin was a controversial figure. He stirred up a lot of dislike throughout Israel. I don't know too much. I only, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know all this history and I know who he is or the politics of Israel. I don't. But I did read that he took harsh measures to stop the Palestinian demonstrations in the 1980s. And he used force and might and beatings and became known as the Bone Breaker, <gasps> which is kind of a horrible nickname to have. Yes. This honestly sounds like it sounds like a nickname of the of one of the giants in the BFG. Yeah, yeah, or a nickname for someone in Game of Thrones. Yep. Um. So the ceremony was only rumored to have taken place, but then the truth came out, and this man, Avigdor Eskin, who was a member of the Gush Emunim, claimed to have recited specific incantations of Pulsa Denura on the night of October 6, nineteen ninety five. The incantation went as such. Angels of destruction will hit him. He is damned wherever he goes. His soul will instantly leave his body, and he will not survive a month. Dark will be his path, and God's angel will chase him. A disaster he has never experienced will befall him, and all curses known in the Torah will apply to him. 
I deliver to you the angels of wrath and ire, Yitzhak, the son of Rosa Rabin, that you may smother him and the specter of him and cast him into hell and dry up his wealth and plague his thoughts and scatter his mind that he may steadily be diminished until he reaches his death. Put to death the cursed Yitzhak. May he be damned, damned, damned. And Rabin was assassinated within that month. Whoa. Oh my goodness, yeah. this scares me. It is scary. Yeah. Because like, how do you put an end to that? And how do you know if someone put that curse on you? I don't know. Yeah, how do you know? How do you know when you're cursed? I don't think you do. I, I, I don't think you would. Right. Is it so sudden or are there small signs that lead up to it where you can be like, oh, this is odd. I should probably talk to someone about this. Or is it too I, late by the time you realize? I don't know. Do you ever realize? I almost wonder if there are certain professions where you'll have to find a way to put some type of protection on you instantly. Like once you begin your endeavor into that into that industry and job world, mm-hmm. you have to put a protection spell on you to prevent these things from happening. But how how do you know if that's going to work against all curses? You don't. No. Another instance of Pulsa de Nera being used was in July of 2005, there was a group of extreme right activists who said that they helped put it, they helped a ceremony to place Pulsa de Nura on Prime Minister Ariel Sharon in order to bring about his death. They claimed to have performed the ceremony in the old cemetery of Rosh Pina, and they asked the angel of death to kill Sharon. And six months later, Sharon suffered two strokes and was in a coma until he died on January 11th, 2014. <sighs> But so like that's hard to prove, right? Like all of these are really difficult to prove. Was mm-hmm. it the curse or was it just coincidence or just, you know, life taking its natural course? Right. Right. Because it makes me also question, are we picking and choosing things that fit a pattern so that we can have a story out of it? Or is it so consistent that there's that we have to look at this as a possibility? Yeah, I don't know. It's almost also if someone does die in a unnatural way, like Rabin being assassinated, it is almost, it would make, it makes sense to me that you want to point fingers and be like, he died, he was killed because someone put a curse on him, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's almost because like the world is a scary place and there are people out there right. targeting others that they don't know. Right. And it's also like, you want to give reason to something so unreasonable, if that makes sense. Right. Like, how could someone kill another person? How could someone take another person's life? Well, maybe we can blame it on this curse, you know, like the, the acts of someone. I don't know. I don't know the exact reason, but I or maybe there's such superstition that it's like, let's warn people about this more. So not all attacks are targeted at politicians. Sometimes the politicians are the ones doing the curse of oh. Pulsa de Nura. So there was the Pride Parade was scheduled to occur in Jerusalem on August 6th of 2006. But the rabbinical court didn't want the parade to take place, and they even considered placing the Pulsa de Nura on anyone who had a hand in organizing the parade. But they didn't have to do it because the parade was canceled due to the 2006 Israel-Lebanon conflict. And then it was decided that Israel would host a similar, smaller parade on November 10th, and the rabbinical court fought it. And the week before, there are a ton of these riots that break out. And then the event had to be moved to a small university campus like stadium. So perhaps the rabbinical court did, in fact, place the curse on it that then pushed it to basically a place where it was so concentrated and small and it wasn't Mm -hmm. as public. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They've also the rabbinical court has also been known for considering it for other reasons. And maybe they have. We don't know when or why. And then in 2013, this man Naftali Bennett, who served as the Minister of Economy and the Minister of Religious Services at the time, apparently received the Pulsa de Nura, and he was receiving all these letters in the mail that read, You will die. Pulsa de Nura has been done to you. Already you will have no peace at home. A bitter life awaits you. From this day, your life is ruined. Okay, and then it said, Just one tear is enough to paralyze you for life. You are one who caused grief to the ultra-Orthodox and rose to prominence, but in the end, you will be like Sharon, who Sharon was the other prime minister who was believed to be cursed by the Pulsa de Nura. Who are the people writing these things? Whoever's putting the curse on him. I don't know. But this guy is still alive, and it's been six years. So maybe, maybe the angel of death doesn't always do the bidding of humans, and it's like, let me decide. You can put this curse, but I'm going to be ultimately the one who decides if they're unworthy Mm -hmm. and... A little Need. Dexter action. Let's yeah, stop and make know. our own judgment. Yeah. But that's Pulsa de Nura, the curse. And uh, yeah, so uh, beware. Beware. I don't know. 
I tried to look up what's a protection against it, and I couldn't find anything. So good luck. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if any mm. of our listeners are from that area. I know. Well, because I was trying to look for also stories um, from our listeners about Israel or Jerusalem, and unfortunately, we don't have any. So I know. I looked too. People, send us your stories. Send it all. I will say, okay, there's one thing that I, to wrap up our episode on Israel and Jerusalem. There is this place called Nightmare, and it's a haunted house in Tel Aviv, and it's apparently one of the most haunted, like, not like an actual haunted house, but it's one of those events and orchestrated haunted houses for ha- like for Halloween and festivities, and it's apparently one of the scariest places in the world. What? It gives visitors an extreme, intense scare, and... It's yeah, it's one of the city's best theatrically and dramatic atmospheres in the world. And yeah, so if people are in Israel or Jerusalem, apparently this is the place to go if you want to get scared. Ooh. I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what I've taken away from studying Jerusalem or looking for ghost stories in Jerusalem is that there's something on every block and that everyone's yeah. trying to protect themselves from all this evil and all these curses and spells. And I feel like you could just catch a ghost walking down the street. I mean, that's kind of the same here, though. Oh, man. I know. Ghosts are I mean, everywhere. I'm sitting in my house right now while there's paranormal activity. Exactly. They're everywhere. But it's almost like you can't live your life being afraid or worried of like a potential curse being put on you because then you're not living your life, are you? I mean, people may have already put curses on me, and I just have no idea. I mean, for a while, we thought we were cursed. Our Remember that? Cursed. That was horrible, though. I think we were cursed. We had to record one episode four times. Yeah, and it was consistent for like a month that we had to just keep re-recording episodes that something yeah. awful would happen. We were losing You had to mind. take a day off work. You had to call in sick so we could record. I did. Yep. Ugh. Dedication to this podcast, even when we're cursed. <laughs> and then we were like, we were, we were literally asking the universe, like, please lift this curse. Please don't make this so difficult for us. Please just I give know. us a break. Oh, man. I was like smoking out my room. I think we're better now, right? I don't think we're cursed no, anymore. I don't think so. I think we're fine. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I think that's fake wood on my desk, but that's okay. It counts, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty – I'm pretty sure it's plastic with a sticker of wood. I think it's the intention. Okay. I'm putting it out in the universe that I just knocked on wood. Yeah. Thank you. So what listener story did you pick? I almost texted you and said, like, what are we going to do for listener stories? But now I just figured let's surprise each other. Let's surprise each other. Well, I have one. This isn't necessarily okay. So, in our inbox, I was searching for stuff that was probably the same that you did. I was searching like holy water, I was searching holy land, Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Israel, like all that. And there really wasn't that much. So, I decided to instead go with a listener email that included um, the topic or I guess some figures that are associated with Jerusalem and the holy land. Oh, okay. Okay, so I have an email. It's called The Bayou House, and this is from Jenny. Okay. Hi, I have quite a lot of stories to tell you, and some of them will have to be in another email, but let me start with my very first encounters. This all took place in Louisiana in a bayou home. When I was about six or seven years old, my family and I moved into a house that my grandfather built in the early 70s. I do want to mention that since the house was only about 15 years old when we moved into it. No one died in it. However, the mm-hmm. land that my house sat on was where the Battle of Lafourche Crossing took place. Needless to say, mm-hmm. there's a lot of history surrounding that little bayou house. Our house had this L-shaped hallway. When I was six or seven years old, I woke up in the middle of the night to a man across the hall staring at me. Oh. This man, dressed like my dad and kind of looked like him. However, he was unusually tall and skinny, like seven feet tall. Oh, that's so creepy. So creepy. Oh. It's like a creepy doppelganger. I know. I literally have the chills right now. It's like the funhouse mirror version of his her dad. Yeah, like just off enough, like just twisted enough where yeah. you're like, holy crap, oh. I'm so scared. Scary. While staring at me, he moved up and down, side to side, constantly. Oh. Very, very, very creepily. Oh, I was so God. terrified that I laid back down, put the covers over my head, and I cried myself to sleep that night. Another night, there was a lady who was transparent and leaning on my doorway with her hand resting on her face, just looking at me. Her face looked peaceful and it didn't scare me as much. But again, I put the covers over my head and I fell asleep. At this point, my parents and sister 
know about it all and placed a crucifix on my wall before you entered my room to keep me safe. My mom and I were driving back to the house from school and see my sister standing in the rain outside of my house sobbing. My mom asked her what happened and she said that she heard something growling at her and then it laughed (gasps) evilly. No. She was terrified and she ran out of the house until we got home. I pretty much slept with my mom in my parents' bed almost every night for the next three years because of how terrified I was. My poor, wonderful dad had to sleep in my bed during this time. (laughs) No. This next encounter may seem way out there, and some may not believe me. One night, while sleeping in my bed with my mom right next to me, I woke up to one-foot-tall angels flying into the room from the window. The next thing I see is Jesus and Mary, sitting Indian-style, coming down from the ceiling slowly and settling on the carpeted floor. This is important to know. They just sat there and they looked at me and never said or did anything. And I thought I was dreaming and I was pinching myself, but I was fully awake. I was so terrified that I couldn't bear to wake my mom up because I thought whatever this was was something evil disguising themselves as Jesus and Mary. I didn't know what to think, so I pulled the covers over my head and I cried myself to sleep. Oh. The next morning, I instantly told everybody about the night before, and something told me to go back into the room and to look at the spot where they had been sitting. I walked back into the room and I lifted the pillow where they were previously sitting the night before, and I could not believe it. On the carpet was a cross. <gasps> like how the carpet changes a slight tint darker when you brush it in the opposite direction. No one else was experiencing anything except for me. And after three years of all of these encounters, my parents decided it was time to have the house blessed. And they got our local priest to come over and bless me and the house. <laughs> I never heard or saw anything after that. It was amazing until oh, no. fast forward 10 years later. My sister, her friend, and myself thought it would be fun to play with the Ouija board. Huge Mm. mistake. We didn't encounter anything while using the board, and since we were clueless, we didn't close it like we should have. This is where shit starts again. I can't even begin to write all the things down that happened from there on because it's literally so much, but I'll brief you on some. Everyone that came into the house would experience something. My mom would be wakened by a young girl with a green hoodie reaching for my dad's foot in the middle of the night. While sleeping, she felt a cold hand on her arm saying, Mom, and no one standing there when she opened her eyes. Mm -mm. I heard the girl calling for her dad while I was taking a shower. There was also a man who I think was not so nice. I have been playing piano since I was a little kid, and one afternoon I was playing Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. As you may know, this song is gloomy and dark. So in the middle of the song, the man with his raspy voice said, Jenny, right next to my ear, like inches (gasps) away. And I just froze and I kept playing because I figured he wanted to scare me. And after I played the piece, I looked behind me and there was this orange uh, orb floating right below the ceiling. (gasps) Oh my God. Oh. The hallway was next level creepy. You would hear footsteps at night. And I'm pretty sure the day that we used the board, we opened some kind of portal or whatever. Yeah. My whole family has since moved out of that house and we are happily living in Tennessee far, far, (laughs) far away. LOL. Just thinking about that house, though, gives me the creeps. And I'll share many more stories in the future. But until then, I'll see you on the other side with much love. Jenny. Um... Okay, that's terrifying. I know. They all seem really scary. I was just going to say they totally opened a portal. The fact that there are so many ghosts after the fact and like the house was like totally fine after being blessed and then you play with the Ouija board and all of a sudden all these ghosts are like whispering in your ear and being terrifying. That's not a coincidence. Oh, no, 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 no. I do not like that. This is why you do not play with a Ouija board. Uh, And just think of a seven foot tall creature that looks just like one of your family members just rocking back and forth staring at you Mm-mm. that's the creepy thing no. it was like staring at her and same with those figures that looked like jesus and mary that's ah, it's just so interesting and i'm not really sure what to think because i mean people have stories and people feel mm-hmm. like they have experienced visitations from angels and from mary and right. from jesus and other figures in the bible but I don't know. There's just something so scary about them just sitting there and staring blankly at her. But the only thing that I do like about it is that they left a cross in the carpet. Like, is that a sign of like, you need to bless this house? Like, you need to find protection. And then they did. They really did. They called a priest to come bless the house. So like, was that a sign? I didn't think about it that way. I thought about it the other way. 
I was thinking, you know, how sometimes demonic creatures, demonic entities will mock the Trinity or mock Christianity when it comes to crosses, like putting crosses upside down or something. So I was thinking that it was that, like, oh, you may have hung a cross in your room, but that doesn't mean anything. Look, I'll come down and I'll burn a cross into your carpet myself. I don't like that. I like to think of it the nicer way. I like your way way better. (laughs) That's really scary. Yeah, yours is. That's uh, that's a haunted house I'd never want to live in. I know. Well, they don't. So good. Whoever else lives in that little bayou <laughs> house, I'm sure they're experiencing stuff being like, what happened? I thought the previous owners said uh, they built it. Yeah, that's terrifying. I did something similar to you, but I did it more about like, uh, I chose a story that kind of focused on curses. So this is from, I believe, Phoebe. And the subject line is Dead Men, Curses, and Santeria. Oh, my. Oh, my. Hi, ladies. Hope you're having a spooky... This is from September. So she said spooky September. But I thought I'd submit a story about curses. My mom is a bruja, and we come from a small town in Mexico called Izcali. But she grew up in Guerrero, Taxco, which is where they have El Mercando Negro to cater half to Santeros and half to Taurus for the black magic needs. My mom has helped a lot of people she's met in her life. There was a woman named Claudia that was a Colombian born and moved to the U.S. with her husband and her two kids, illegally. One year, her husband was deported and sent back to Colombia, but she had gotten her immigration papers done secretly for herself and her kids. Shortly after, Claudia was getting really sick, constantly getting into car accidents, not sleeping, and having sleep paralysis. One day, when she and my mom were working, my mom noticed there was a dead man clinging to her back oh whoa 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 my mom told claudia she would like to meet her in her home for coffee that she had something to tell her when she came to her house my mom asked her questions about her health her luck and how she had been feeling i was my mom's unofficial assistant and i would accompany her to some of these visits so when claudia told her what had been happening my mom let her know about the dead man who had one hand gripping her neck and the other hand on her shoulder holding to her tightly. That her husband had hired a black magic witch who had cursed her with a dead man. Claudia was shocked that his retaliation, which she was expecting, had come in such a malicious way. My mom helped her get rid of the El Muerto and cleaned her energy and told her that she had to get in touch with someone from Colombia to put a protection spell on her to prevent any further altercations with this Santerio man. I have a few more stories, like one of a woman who found a hex bag in her home, a tar demon, and a few ghost stories. Let me know if you'd be interested, and I'll send along some more spooky stories. May you not be cursed and blessed with health, and be blessed with great health. I definitely want to hear the rest of your stories. Please send them to us. Oh my gosh, yeah. Can you can you imagine having the ability to, because her mom is a, the bruja, or however you mm-hmm. say it, um, and she has this ability to actually see the spirits or feel the images of spirits and to see this like creature, this man clinging onto someone else's back. I can't even imagine how horrifying that image is. And it makes me wonder, do you just yeah. see it for a minute and do you see it in your mind? Like, do you not actually have to see to see sort of thing? Or is she, is her spiritual capability such where she looks at someone and she literally sees the actual image as if it were a real person doing that in front of her? I don't know, but I'm imagining it where she just saw this woman constantly being like kind of held onto by this dead man, which is so scary. It so reminds me of, and I've referenced it before, but that Japanese horror movie that they had remade here in America, and everyone says the remake was horrible, but I never saw the original. But it was Shudder. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said Because he takes pictures, and there's a woman, like, crouching on his shoulders. I was thinking of that legend about the dad who killed the mom, and then the mom is, like, on his back. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the kid is like, why does mom look like that? Oh, oh my God. I'm going to have nightmares. I'm <laughs> going to have nightmares tonight. Ugh, it's so interesting. I mean, we, you know, talking about in this episode, just like, just the fact that you have to resort to putting curses on people. It's just, it's so sad. Like, deal with your issues, go to therapy, like talk them out. Don't, don't inflict harm on someone that's so horrible. Well, and also clearly there was something going on in that relationship, because if she were to secretly take care of herself and her kids and exclude her husband, and then her husband's response to that is to seek out someone to cause extreme harm on her yeah Mm, i think maybe she may have 
made the right decision. Yes. In excluding oh, him scary. from that paperwork. Yeah. Jeez. But yeah, everyone, I don't know, sit down, do some yoga, meditate a little bit, <laughs> drink some rooibos tea and calm down. Yeah. Talk about your feelings. Talk it out. Express them. Talk it out. Yeah. But if you have any stories about Israel or Jerusalem or anything that we talked about in this episode, we'd love to hear them. Uh, or read them specifically. So send them to our email at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Uh we also have live shows. Yeah, we do. We do. So when this episode comes out, we'll be only a couple of weeks before our Nashville show. Heck so yes. if you're in the area, please come. It's Sunday, June sixteenth, and we are at the Zanies Comedy Club in Nashville. Heck yes we are. And also we have New York on June fourteenth or July fourteenth at the Gotham Comedy Club. And just so you know, if you buy your tickets and you email us your confirmation, like the the screenshot of your confirmation, you will be entered into a raffle to win free merch. So send us your confirmation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a variety of ways to support us as well. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That's huge. That keeps us in the top charts. It helps other people find us. La-di-da-di-da. And then also you can buy merch or you can support us on Patreon. There are certain tiers like the higher up tiers. You can pick a topic like Tal did and we'll do research on whatever you would like. And then also just our merch. We're excited. We love all the designs mm-hmm. that everyone has helped create. And I personally like I wear them all the time. Me too. And I hope that if I ever see someone and I'm wearing it and they're like, oh, my God, I listened to that podcast. I'll be like, oh, my God, me too. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. And then what else do we have? Oh, we have social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Join us in all of the weird, spooky things that we share on all of those platforms. And the Facebook group is amazing. And the amount of stories that I'm constantly reading on our, like, I feel like my whole Facebook, the only purpose of my Facebook now is for the Two Girls, One Ghost Facebook group. Oh, that's group. the only reason I go on Facebook anymore. Yeah. The only reason. Uh, word of mouth is also huge. We say it every time, but, you know, we're trying to get a little pyramid scheme going. If you tell two people and they tell two people, maybe we'll, you know, have a platform where we have like the craziest, most intense ghost stories and the best little spooky community for everyone to help each other out. It's already growing and it's already awesome. And we've got so many great people. Yeah, we do. You know, spread the the love. And we will see you on on the other other side. side.